Welcome. You are listening to the Park Avenue Synagogue Podcast, and this is Rabbi Elliot Cosgrove. While it's better to hear it live, this is a place to catch the latest sermon, conversation, and select program. If you like what you're hearing or want to learn more about our community, check out PASYN.org. And don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts to get a notification for our next episode. Enjoy and see you in shul. Shabbat shalom. In the pantheon of parenting pleasures, there are few that rank higher than the joy of taking your daughter out to dinner together with her friends. Debbie and I experienced that joy last week when we visited my oldest, who's presently spending a semester abroad. Passover had just ended. We were breaking bread, literally, surrounded by my daughter's friends that she had just made together with an assortment of her friends from high school, college, Israel programs, now all studying abroad, all seizing on the opportunity for a free meal. <laughs> One of them had, in a manner of speaking, grown up in my home. In Hebrew, the expression is a bat bite, a daughter, in all ways save biology, of my household. For the purposes of today, I will call her Maya, if for no other reason than the name of every single one of every single one of my children consists of their friends of four letters, of which two are consonants and two are vowels. Nava, Nomi, Tali, Sari, Sarah, Ella, Emma, Ziva, Gavi, Gabi, Gali, Gila, Gili, Miri, Mira, Mara, Alex, Aviv, Rose, and Maya. So I'm enjoying my meal when Maya, two seats over, turns to me and says, Rabbi Cosgrove, a verbal cue that signaled she was about to ask me something beyond another slice of pizza. Rabbi Cosgrove, she said, at Park Avenue Synagogue, do you have an Israeli flag on the bima? To which I responded, yes, Maya, we have an Israeli flag on the bima. She then asked Rabbi Cosgrove, at Park Avenue Synagogue, do you recite the prayer for the state of Israel? To which I responded, yes, Maya, we recite the prayer for the state of Israel. Sensing where things were heading, I decided to redirect. Maya, you've been to services at Park Avenue Synagogue many times. What is it that you are really asking? It's over a week later, and the precise sequence of words that emerged out of Maya's mouth remains a bit blurry, perhaps due to the beers we were drinking or the fact that the words were spoken at all. But it went something like this. Rabbi, national flags are political statements. Politic Zionism is a political ideology. Jews may be an ethno-religious group, but ethnicity does not have to be connected to nationality. I wish Jewish communities that claim to be politically unaffiliated would not officially affiliate with Zionism. Throughout history, nationalism has been used to oppress and cause suffering, and the Jewish people know this all too well. With the creation of Jewish nationalism, meaning Zionism, 
Though the Jewish people have more protection, they have now become an oppressor to another group of people, the Palestinians. A Jewish nation state will never be able to uphold Jewish values because nation states are not able to. There have always been non-Zionist Jews. It's important to me that there be non-Zionist Jewish spaces because I want to practice Judaism and have a Jewish identity that does not involve nationalism. Maya is as sharp as they come. She is warm, wonderful, and very, very funny. She's not just a proud Jew, she's a knowledgeable Jew. Her father is actually Israeli-born. She's a product of Jewish day school, Jewish camping, synagogue youth, and Israel experiences. No small fortune has been invested in her Jewish identity by her parents and the organized Jewish community. And here, a non-Zionist manifesto spewing out of her mouth, the substance of which I had read about but had never heard from someone whom I knew and cared about as I do Maya. A young woman, and this is not a small point, who I joke shares a brain with my biological daughter. I was flabbergasted and, to be honest, flat-footed. I said nothing. I've played the scene back in my mind. Was I right or wrong to hold my tongue as I did? Was it because I was shocked, angry, or ill-prepared? The Mayas of the world are our people's best and brightest, the Jewish leaders of tomorrow. We are but days away from the 75th anniversary of Israel's birth. How shall one respond to a non-Zionist Jewish Gen Zer? Whatever regrets I do have, I'm comforted knowing I have something else, a pulpit. And this is what I wish I had said. Maya, first and foremost, I hear you. I hear you, your voice is important, and you are not alone. Judaism is not Zionism, Zionism is not Judaism, and the flag on the bima and prayer for Israel are not uncomplicated things. There is indeed a long history of non-Zionist Jews, people who loved their Judaism, but held what is called a non-statist view of peoplehood. Not whack jobs or self-hating or messianic waiting Jews, but proud Jews, Bundists and labor Zionists, cultural Zionists, even religious Zionists, who had attachments to the land, but not in establishing a state. Big names like Mordechai Kaplan, who saw the Jewish people as a national civilization, Simon Ravidovich, who believed in global Hebraicism, and Hans Cohen, who had a vision of Jewish cultural humanism. When political Zionism took hold in the late 1800s, it was rejected by the Orthodox and Reform movements. Louis Finkelstein, the past chancellor of JTS, where I became a rabbi, believed that nationalism was a root cause of World War I, and though he supported the idea of a Jewish national homeland as late as the 1940s, he saw no need for a Jewish state. Tuesday night is Yom Ha'atzma'ut, we're having a big concert and Derek Penzler, a Harvard professor of Zionism, is gonna be speaking. His forthcoming book on Zionism mentions that the first Zionist Congress did not call for a state, but a national home secured by Jewish public law and that Herzl's vision didn't include a military or borders 
or many of the other trimmings of a state, and that even Jabotinsky and even Ben-Gurion at different times of their lives had non-statist visions of the Jewish homeland. Maya, there are some people, good people, my friends and mentors, who would call you for what you are saying an un-Jew. Those people throwing shade at you, Maya, trying to mess with your self-expression, those people need to calm down. Maya, you are not just not alone. You are a good Jew, and you stand in very good Jewish company. Maya, for someone of my generation, I can't imagine Judaism without Zionism. But I agree with you that Zionism is not Judaism. It is regrettable that the organized Jewish community made it seem so. When the state was founded in the wake of the Holocaust, American Jewry's support was critical. If we weren't going to move there, then we were going to support those who did philanthropically and politically. I understand why Israel advocacy was embraced as a tool for solidarity, a response to anti-Semitism, and a prophylactic against assimilation. We have our slogans, we march in our parades, we buy Israel bonds, we plant trees, and we write checks. Acts important unto themselves, but also as a rallying cry and a bonding agent for American Jews. It didn't happen all at once, but yes, somewhere along the way, this diaspora Zionism became, in the words of the late Rabbi Arthur Hertzberg, a substitute religion. Even worse, it became a litmus test for Jewish loyalty. In Hertzberg's words, the lack of support for Israel being the only offense for which Jews can be excommunicated. Support for Israel was instrumentalized to paper over the thinness of American Jewish identity. You know me, Maya. I am as big of a supporter of Israel travel, Israel study, birthright, and otherwise as there is. We need to give it all we got. But Maya, I am with you and then some that if the strongest statement of Jewish pride and philanthropic muscle out there to reinvigorate Jewish American Jewry is to travel to Israel, then American Jewry has some serious soul searching to do. And yes, Maya, I also get it. When you look at Israel, when I look at Israel, when anyone looks at Israel, we see an Israel that stands in breach of many of our values, our Jewish values democracy, religious pluralism, gay rights, the Palestinian right to self-determination, the very ideals that your Jewish education has instilled in you. I am deeply worried about what will become of liberal Zionism should Israel cease to be a liberal democracy. How can I ask anyone to support an Israel that doesn't support their values, an Israel that doesn't even see you? The math is not complicated. 52% of young Israelis today are either Haredi or Arab. For them, non-Orthodox diaspora Jewry is an abstraction. A typical secular Israeli expends zero psychic energy thinking about the shared destiny of the Jewish people. Diaspora Jews play no role in Knesset politics. Why exactly should you care about a place that does not acknowledge you, care about you, or even think about you. Maya, you are not crazy. If you weren't asking the questions you are asking, now that would be crazy. Maya, 
I didn't say that the synagogue was apolitical. You did. It's a sermon for another day. But on a certain level, a synagogue, a good synagogue, is not only a house of prayer, but it's a place that helps Jews identify, explore, and wrestle with Jewish values and inspire them to realize values, sometimes through the instrument of politics in this world. And high on that list of values is love of Israel. Yes, there is a strand of non-Zionist thought embedded in the Jewish DNA. And yes, the project of rabbinic Judaism took shape almost entirely outside of the land of Israel. But it is, I believe, a misreading of Jewish history to call Judaism anything else other than a land-centered faith. From God's first call to Abraham, to the land that I will show you, to our arrival in that promised land, through the first and second commonwealth, through the exile, in the words of our prayer, in the direction to which we pray, the rituals we observe, and the aspirations we hold, our eyes have always been turned towards Zion. Not just a shared faith, not just an, a language and culture, but an attachment to the land. To live there if you choose, and if you choose otherwise, to support those who do. It is, in my mind, fundamental to what it means to be a Jew today. It's why we have the flag on the bima. It's why we recite the prayer for the state of Israel. It's why I'm a proud Zionist. It's why I am politically engaged in Israel. And it's why I ask that of my congregants as well. And yes, Maya, we do live in a time when nationalism has become an ugly word, oftentimes for good reason. It would be nice to imagine, as John Lennon did, where there are no countries, nothing to kill or die for. But Maya, we need to live in the factual world, not the counterfactual. The rise of political Zionism, the establishment of the Jewish state, arose as a response to the belief that Jews have a moral right and historic need for self-determination within historic Palestine. If I needed an argument for Zionism, Jewish nationalism, statehood, whatever you want to call it, I could make the argument by way of 2,000 years of Jewish history and the exclamation point of the Shoah. But I don't need to. Jews have a right to self-determination, to be the subject of our own sentence and not the object of someone else's. We can quibble whether we are a faith, an ethnicity, a people, or a collective, but that debate is a distraction. We are Jews. Nations, borders, the right to self-defense, that is the coin of the day. That is the factual. The world changed on May 14, 1948. I can imagine going back in time to sit in a 19th century Viennese coffee shop to debate whether we should be Zionists, just as I can imagine living in a world without antibiotics. But I have no desire to do either. Does Israel's right of sovereignty clash with the Palestinians' self-same right? Of course it does. Should Israel, no different than the Palestinians, be held responsible for its role in obstructing a two-state solution? Absolutely. Israel is a deeply imperfect state that, just like any nation-state, falls short of its stated values. But Maya, given the choice of a sovereign and imperfect Israel or the moral purity of exiled victimhood, I would choose the former over the latter any day, and so should you. And if Maya... 
you would deny your own people the self-same right that you would fight for on behalf of others, well, that is an act of self-abnegation that is more of a you problem than it is Israel's. I didn't choose to live during this era of history side by side with the sovereign state of Israel, but I do, and I'm grateful that I do, and you should be too. Israel is the greatest achievement of the Jewish people in the past century, if not the entirety of our existence, the expression of a multi-millennial hope, the home to half of our people. I may not live there, but as long as I live to be a Jew means to understand Israel as a constituent part of my Jewish being. Because today, Maya, Israel is not just troubled and troubling. Israel is on the brink. The fault lines have broken open before our very eyes. The future of Israel is a democracy, the outbreak of a third intifada, Israel's loss of standing in the community of nations, the bitter irony that it's in the Jewish state where one cannot practice their Judaism freely. It's not just my opinion, it's the opinion of half a million Israelis protesting on the streets every week. Is some of this pain self-inflicted? Absolutely. Has the complicit silence of American Jewry helped enable our present state of affairs? I think we agree on that. So let's stop living in the past and start asking what to do now. There is a book by the late political econo economist Albert Hirschman called Exit, Voice, and Loyalty. Hirschman explains that once one sees a business, nation, or any human grouping in crisis, there's a choice to be made. One can either exit, meaning walk away, or one can have voice, meaning attempt to repair or change that relationship through grievance, engagement, or activism. There are those who would say that to criticize Israel is a sign of disloyalty. I say otherwise. As always, there is a question of tact. The Torah reading, if nothing else, warns us about how our words and actions can be received and redirected in ways that we never intended. But no different than my activism as an American is an expression of, not counter to my patriotism, so too my Zionism. If half a million Israelis can express their love and concern by way of protesting its government, so can I, so do I, and Maya, so can you. It is Israel's 75th birthday and Israel is in crisis. Are you gonna exit, walk away, and stand on the sidelines? Or are you gonna have voice and leverage your moral Jewish compass and the piercing clarity of your conscience to effectuate change, to fight for your values, and to help Israel realize the fullness of its founding vision. Given the ideals you champion, given the age you are, why on earth would you cede the discussion of what Zionism is and what it should be to those who are either true enemies of our people or your Jewish kin who would corrupt Zionism into something it is not and should never be? I know you know the song, Maya, Ainli Eretz Acheret. I will not keep silent. I have no country. Lo eshtok. I will not keep silent. Ki artsi shinta et panea. Even if my country has changed her face, askirla. I will remind her. Ad shetiftach et eneha. Until she opens her eyes. Encounter, truah, Zionist, seeds of peace, roots, Israel policy forum. There's no shortage of organizations fighting the good fight. And I know, because I know, 
they would welcome your engagement. Maya, let me end where I began. I hear you. Your voice is important, and you are not alone. As your friend's father, and as the rabbi of a synagogue, I am proud of you, and I am here for you. Not only do you have a place in the Zionist conversation, it's a conversation that depends on you. We may not always agree, but make no mistake, now more than ever, we need you. The community needs you, and on its 75th birthday, Israel needs you. I can't wait to hear what you have to say in response. But this last piece of pizza, Maya, it's getting cold. Let's go halvesies, and I'll order us another beer. Let's keep this conversation going. Shabbat Shalom. Thank you for listening to the Park Avenue Synagogue podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and want to learn more about our community, check out PASYN.org. See you in shul. Hallelujah, Hallelujah.